And like Bruce Springsteen had four tracks on that um, Nebraska album, and it was fucking fantastic. <laughs> Just him, guitar, harmonica, harmonica, maybe a backing. No, I thought that was actually kind of cool. It's like I actually in his book he talked about that. He's like, yeah, I just record that on a you know the old tape recorder. It had four tracks on it. Record in my you know house. We were gonna like turn it into a full on CD, and I realized nope, that tape was it, and that's what we sold. <laughs> I gotta I gotta get that book. No, dude, you really gotta check out that Bruce Springsteen book. It's fucking it's awesome. I mean, just Bruce Bruce reading Bruce. But um, yeah. Yeah, hello and welcome to the Old Man Orange Podcast. I'm Spencer Scott Holmes. And I'm Ryan Dunnigan. Is that all that stuff we were just talking? Is that going to be in the show or is that or is that just... Uh, yeah, why not? It's a, it's a little like intro sort of and then we come okay. to the intro. Let me get my let me get my podcast voice on. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, oh yeah, so let me get the, that uh, old funk I was in there, you know. <laughs> just like, like those I knew, old TV if I knew that recorders. Was if I knew I was going to be recorded, I would have had a little bit more uh, pizzazz ain't the right word, but a little bit more like, oh yeah, Bruce Springsteen, I'm going to get that book eventually, I guess. Mm. Fuck it. Yeah, fuck it. You know what I mean? Like, I'll get, I'll get around to it. But, yeah, it'd be like the one of those like news anchor guys where it's just like he's just talking shit to everybody and then all of a sudden he gets on the air and it's like, hi, I'm your favorite friend. Or there's like the, the Bill O'Reilly one where he's just like, I, I can't read it. What's on the screen? I, I can't read it. What, what's what, what's that mean? Fuck it, man. This thing fucking sucks. We'll do it live. Hi, we're, uh, Sting is gonna play us out. <laughs> no, I know. That's always, I love that kind of stuff. That always makes me laugh. But today on the podcast, we're going back in time to good old 1976 to talk about a classic Burt Reynolds flick that I only realized that we just watched the sequel about fucking watching the first one. <laughs> Burt Reynolds is Gator, and inside of 10 minutes, he's going to destroy 14 boats. He's going to wreck dozens of cars. Blow up a motel. He's going to drag a man around a parking lot and throw him off the top of his car. And just wait until you see what he does in the movie. Now, Burt Reynolds is about to be maimed, mangled, mutilated, and made mincemeat of as he takes on the crooked cops in Dunstan County. Jerry Reed is the king of Dunstan County. Well, my name is Bam McCarthy. I don't usually come by here uh, to make collections, but uh, I just want to come by and say hello. He runs the games. I want you to check on the guy named Gator McCluskey. He sells the girls. He owns the cops. I'm gonna kill him. Lauren Hutton is Aggie Maybank. She may be Gator's lady. You charmed the shirt right off my back. But she's her own woman. He's got a place at the beach and we can stay there. There's nobody out there this time of year. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Who said that you could make all the decisions? Who said you could make all the decisions? I should be making the decisions. That was a that was a good decision that you made. Wasn't that a good one that you made? That? Thank you. You're right. Bye. Jack Weston is the fit. Alice Ghostly is the fin. I'm strangely attracted to you. Together they're dynamite. Oh my god. 
Jack Weston, Lauren Hutton, Jerry Reed, Alice Ghostly, and the master of the hit slam, bash, choke, smother, and squash. A man of stamina, strength, and boundless energy, the one and only Burt Reynolds. Now we know you're in there. We coming to get you, Gator. I realized that same thing like after looking into it because you're the main reason this is the first time we've ever done a retrospect that I have not seen the movie ever. And the only reason well, I think we're it's the first time is I think there's been a couple movies that we've done where like either one of us kind of like barely saw it maybe like one of those ones where it's like well I've seen it like in parts but not the whole thing. Yeah, that's the first time where both of us had clearly not seen a movie but something that I've always wanted to see. Well, the main reason you said we should push for it is like this is Sterling Archer's favorite movie. <laughs> that was the thing. Is Cater. That was his thing. And uh, it, so that was all I knew that was Burt Reynolds in it. And it was probably 70s because it was, you know, Burt Reynolds and Archer loves this movie. So that's the only reason. It's like, okay, I'll check this thing out. I probably wouldn't mind seeing it eventually anyway. But then watching it, like, it even makes it more obscure because this is the lesser known sequel. The, may, the first movie is White Lightning. And <laughs> that's a huge movie. <laughs> and I, I did. I never knew this whole time that those two movies were related. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So knowing that I never actually seen white lightning either, but I know that's a big name. So yeah, I've never seen that one. That's been like on my list for like years. Remember like in the old days where like you'd have a notepad and you'd write down your fucking DVD wish list so that when you go to the store, you could like pull it up and go home. Hmm, do I have this one yet? There were those days we would used to do that. We'd go to like a FYE or Amoeba or something like that and just look for it in like weird, like, oh, here's the cult section. Oh, here's Asian horror movies. Here's just really weird, obscure shit like that. Yeah, and I just remember because I used to just have this big old fat list that like whenever I heard of a movie that like I should watch, I put it down on there. And then as time went on, I, I saw, I guess, a, a good majority of them, but there's probably still a ton of movies on there that I never, ever got around to. And then like this is one of those ones, yeah, it's like, I just remember Archer talks so highly about it. I know, like, in a cartoon show, and, like, they're talking so highly about it, that probably does not mean that it's necessarily, like, the greatest movie ever. But, I mean, like, dude, it was, like, a whole season he was talking about Gator. And I was just like, okay, I gotta watch this movie at some point. Obviously, if it was worth talking about for, like, I don't know if it was, like, season six or seven, but it was, like, a big part of that season. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And plus, he would always do the weird little Gator laugh. Yeah. And he'd have, you know, have, like, the Gator moments, and he was driving the boat down the bayou and everything like that. Everything was sort of gator related. Mm-hmm. Is that and, the one where, where the where like the uh, the uh, uh, big fan boat just like breaks out and like La- uh, Lana just like mm hmm mm hmm yeah clear your throat a couple more times Lana see if it helps <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. that's, I think nothing that's exactly what <laughs> that's exactly the season but um. But no, it's like, it's just weird to watch a sequel and like go like, oh yeah, I guess we should have saw the first one. Not saying that you can't jump into it to it and not get it, but I definitely think that this movie would have made way more sense, though, if I would have watched the first one. I didn't really pick up on that. I just felt like, okay, he's a guy with a pass. He, guy, he was like a whiskey runner or something like that. And that's all I really ever picked up on. He's just some guy, this town, like, oh, that gator is out there again. And... It's kind of like the, he's the inside man. Now, I, I just want to say this before we get too much into the movie. From the movie, from Burt Reynolds' perspective, it's totally your, what you'd expect from a Burt Reynolds movie. 
But if you're the fat dude from uh, New York, this is the saddest, most depressing art film ever made. <laughs> you're this poor Jewish guy sent down on this case. And probably, like, if you went to, like, his backstory, it's probably not even good. Probably everybody in fucking New York hates this guy. They're like, get the fuck out of here, you fat piece of shit. Why don't you go work that case down in Georgia? He's like, well, you know what? I'm going to go down to Georgia, and I'm going to prove to you that I can get this gator. And he's going to help out, and he's going to solve this mystery, and we're going to put it back. He's like, yeah, yeah, like, you can fucking do anything. Go fuck yourself down there in Georgia. Ow! Everyone's Andrew Dice Clay. Yeah, I know. Everybody's yelling at this poor guy and whatnot. And it's like, so he's trying to prove them all wrong that he can. And in this process, it's like, I just like the part where it's like, at first they go to get Gator and they have this like huge fucking like police chase in the bayou. And Gator comes out like on this fucking rip roaring jet boat, like three times faster than everybody else out there. And he's just causing havoc. Like, good old, like in the 70s, I felt like you could just run police officers over and like knock them down and whatnot. It was just all fun and games. Burt Reynolds make rednecks look cool. Well, that's really what it was. Like, these movies were, like, they were the kind of movies that, like, they were movies in the South made for people in the South. And they even said, it's like, hey, if these movies don't sell to, like, anybody else in the northern areas or western areas, that's okay. Because the South will pay the full way for these. Like, they can make all their money back just in, like, Memphis alone almost. Like, that's Mm -hmm. how these are. So everything else that you make past that point. It's all extra cash. And even Clint Eastwood jumped on board and making these kind of like southern, like kind of, I guess you could say sort of redneck movies of like any which way but loose. And then you got, um, oh, fuck, what's that one called? Well, whatever. You know what I mean. There, there's a handful of those ones, too. And like, let me get a try at this. Yeah, no, nah, it's not me. I can't do it. No, I actually like the the Clint Eastwood, like, kind of redneck, I guess you would say, movies, southern movies or whatever. Like, I like those ones a lot, too. I think they're really fun. But Burt Reynolds is almost like the pinnacle guy for all this stuff. Hell, like, like Burt Reynolds almost kind of with White Lightning, Gator, Smokey and the Bandit. All those movies almost like what creates sort of, like, towards Dukes of Hazard and everything like that, which makes sense later on, like, why he is Boss Hogg in the Dukes of Hazard movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, even this, because the whole thing about it is... There is a guy that Gator used to know who's basically this crime lord in this town. And they're trying to bring him in for tax evasion and all these things. He just has this whole town by a stranglehold. And, like, the only way we can get him in is somebody this guy trusts. So they find Gator. They go to him, like, all right, you're our inside guy. It's kind of like almost, I guess if there was another inside man on the opposite side, it's kind of like Redneck Departed in that aspect. (laughs) But as it goes on, though, it becomes more of just... He's trying... This movie, it's, it's it's interesting because parts of this movie feel like what you'd expect them to be. Just like a fun, like, you know, like muscle trucks, go, m- m- like muscle cars going off ramps, crashing into things, like 70s action movie. Then other, spe- other aspects of it get really dark and really serious out of nowhere. Yeah, I know. That's the thing is this movie kind of goes back and forth. And then there'll be like goofy comedy in it too. Like, And it's not like it's goofy, like out of place comedy, but just like Burt Reynolds just has some like weird like jokes in this movie that are like, I, I don't know. They're, they're not the same as like a Clint Eastwood or an Arnold Schwarzenegger or like a Stallone like one-liner. They're like, I don't know how to explain them. You just kind of like, you sort of laugh, but you almost chuckle like, boy, that's that came out weird. Well, I'm just imagining just some of the jokes in this movie that if they tried making like a remake and do it like line for line almost, how like that would not fly today. Like there's the part where the girl, where the girl uh, um, 
Lauren Houghton plays Aggie Mayb- Maybank, and she says, like, she's she's a really pretty woman, but she has that gap in her teeth. And she's like, I don't know, I'm thinking about getting this filled in. Like, do you think I'd look better with it filled in? And he's like, yeah, I think you would. <laughs> like, oh, you stop. <laughs> Funny if she, like, Your wakes up the next day, and he's bitch. like, fucking put, like, some fucking, like, super glue <laughs> inside her teeth. <laughs> <laughs> in her fucking sleep <laughs> like what happened like I'm just trying to do what you said you thought you should do <laughs> okay. save me some money my, that's what my grandpappy would have done <laughs> and they all but I like because the whole thing I, for a second I thought okay they're gonna do like, kind of like a 48 hours or rush hour kind of thing I guess this predates both those but that idea of like okay so Here's the uh, badass who knows what he's doing. He can handle himself in a fight. I'm like, okay, well, this Irving Greenfield guy, played by Jack Weston, he's got to be here just for was was that the just double check on that was that was Greenfield was the the bumbling fat dude, right? Yeah, the bumbling police officer guy. Which I just love how like they're like, okay, we're gonna go work this case. He's like. Burt Reynolds, you drive. He's like, why the fuck do I got to drive? He's like, I'm from New York. I don't drive. It's like, oh, okay. And then they pull up and go to like this most like ramshackle fucking hotel. He's like, he's like, what are we doing here? He's like, oh, this is where you're staying tonight. He's like, oh, we're staying here? He's like, no, I'm not staying here. Do you think you'd catch me dead at a place like this? This is where you're going. I'm out of here. And then he goes and goes to like the fucking like most like nicest like Ritz Carlton like hotel. <laughs> just leaves that guy there. And then for a while, you don't even see that guy for a long time. It's just like, shit, is he just like dropped off? And now it's just like, well, whatever. Like that guy did a great job of watching Burt Reynolds. Like for all we know, Burt Reynolds drove back home at that point. <laughs> or for that guy to know. Or he's just like, come on, honey, we're going to Canada. He picks up his daughter. <laughs> yeah, fuck this, we're out of here. No, um, end of the movie. No, well, that whole part right there made me think that um, there was going to be some kind of dynamic. Because like, as that scene goes, they're starting to kind of like joke around with each other and be kind of like, oh, they're being kind of friendly. So I didn't think it was going to all stay good like that the whole way through. But they're starting to like, kind of bust each other's balls a little bit. And... I was like, okay, so what's going to happen is he's going to come in at the zero hour and help Gator in some way or do something that's really going to help the movie move forward or he's going to have some kind of strength Gator doesn't have. Nope, not the case at all. He is just this guy. He's like, he left me here. He was gonna, He left me at this ramshack hotel. I'm trying to call my superiors, tell them the mission's on the way, and... I guess I'm just going to go to this bar until then all these guys come beat the fuck out of them to near death. <laughs> Things only kind of get worse from there. Yeah, I know. It's just like he goes to this bar and he's, he's talking to like the one guy at like the end of the bar who pretty much can barely speak as is. Like, I don't know why this is the guy he decides to like question. And of course the bartender gets angry. He's like, you don't talk to fucking Bob like that. What's fucking wrong with you? And stuff like that. He's like, we don't like your northern kind down here. <laughs> And then as it yeah, like goes on, he goes out in the alley, and then he finds Bama, who's pretty much like I guess the villain of the movie. The whole reason like they go to this town is to stop his racketeering and so on. And then there's also like there's a guy running for mayor that never really comes back around either in this movie, and he's just like this like guy's like oh I'm gonna do it all for you, you're gonna love me, and everybody's cheering him on and everything like that. But he's just really like a guy who's probably like extorting the businesses, and you know he's just always hanging out with women and hookers and so on like that. And like the only person in town that seems to like think that he's evil is this cat lady who's like not really helping the cause. Yeah, that that lady right there, she was like she's one of those people that she says. Uh, 
like everything she's saying is right, but it's like if only if someone else was saying it. Because <laughs> if she only she wasn't not... a crazy cat lady. Exactly. And there's that whole part where uh, I'll, I'll say this regarding uh, Bama McCall, played by Jerry Reed. That character, I really liked him as a villain. He was a fantastic villain because he comes across as when you first see him. I didn't think he was some guy who was going to be scared. I, I could tell he was kind of a bad guy because he has this used, this friendly used Carlsman, uh, so, uh, can't even talk car about salesman. This friendly used car, uh, car salesman kind of vibe to him. And he goes to the strip club. He's all talking like, oh, so this guy owes me some money. I'm like, okay, well, this guy's not going to do anything. He's going to call in the uh, big dude to come in and save the day or whatever. Or, or like, or like uh, yeah. So what ends up happening is you see he's talking to some guy. He, I want to say, was that Steven Root that was playing the bouncer that he smashes the beer glass into? It looked like Steven Root. Maybe he was. Shit, I, I, I didn't notice that, but that's not that's probably not out of left field. It could be. I'm not sure if it was, but it looked like a young Steven Root. But whether it was or wasn't. Um, so basically, he then, like, as he's talking to him, just being all friendly, like, man, you got some arms on you, boy. Like, what's your mama feed you? Ha, 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 whatever. And then grabs him by the wrist, slams the, the glass into his face, knocks some other dude over, starts setting fire to the place, like, it's no big deal. Like, oh, man, you don't fuck with this guy. It was one of those things that really went by quickly. And I just wasn't expecting that guy to be... I could tell he was a villain, but I didn't think he was going to be, like, that threatening. And like, hands-on. Yeah, and he has he has this um, he has this demeanor about him where he he is good friends with Gator. He's like he lo- he loves him, but he doesn't want him interfering. He's like, oh come on, man, don't do this. Just work for me. Just why do you got to make it difficult? Well, that's the thing, and he plays off because he can be like almost like the nicest guy, your best buddy in the world, and I, I, that's why I kind of like him. But then also, like when shit goes down, like he can fucking handle any situation as calm as possible. So I almost feel like that's the strength of this movie more than anything else. Is like they have like a fantastic villain for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess because he like he's because uh, he's just the friendliest guy at first. If that's his thing, he's like as long as things are going the way he wants them to go. He's going to be chill with you. He's going to buy you a drink. He's going to do, you know, but then, like, the movie takes a dark turn. I think for a while, I was like, yeah, this guy's probably done some shady shit, but it doesn't seem that bad. And then once you get to the part where there's the, uh, he's at the, uh, he has the brothel, and there's the, because there's that one part where some 15-year-old girl hits on Burt Reynolds, and I'm like, oh, 70s, whatever, <laughs> you know? I should have expected some shit like this. Yeah. And then... And then, though, that girl, you find out that she's all, like, drugged up and she's in that brothel. It's like, oh, shit. And they play it really seriously and it's not, like, a funny thing. Well, they even do the part, too, where, like, Bama kind of comes out. He's just, like, putting his pants on. He's like, oh, I didn't realize you stepped in here, Gator. You're like, you could have caught me with my pants down or something like that. He's like, well, why don't you take this lovely flower right here and, uh, you know, you have your way with her and do whatever you want and we'll talk afterwards and so on. And, of course, it has, like, that 70s thing, too, where it's like, you know, of course, like, Burt Reynolds is like, what the fuck are you doing in here? And then she's just, like, just fucking drugged out as can be and whatnot. And so he starts slapping her around. It's like, that'll knock some sense into her. <laughs> He's like, what the fuck's wrong with you? You gotta get out of here. Let me sm- slap some smarts in here, you silly dame. <laughs> you know, no different than fucking Steve McQueen the getaway. It's just a couple couple slaps across the face will, you know, solve that problem. <laughs> yeah. Another thing you couldn't get away with this day and age. Because I guess that's the thing. Because this movie... Because this is PG, but keep in mind, back then, PG was like PG-13. So, this movie, though, even keeping that in mind, 
I feel like teeter totters between like having that really fun kind of goofball sensibility combined uh-huh. with just these moments where it's just really hard hitting and really violent. And those mo- moments aren't there that often, but they're there. Like there's a uh, going back to we're, we're, we're probably we're gonna go into spoilers here. So going into the part uh, Greenfield. But Burt Reynolds, like, he starts breaking down. He starts, not breaking down, but he starts breaking down the situation. He says, okay, how are we going to get this guy? How are we going to get him? And they, then that's when uh, Lord Holton's character, Aggie, says, all right, well, if we can just get his uh, his police files, or not his police files, his, like, uh, tax returns and all that, then that's something. We can get him going. And from there, that's where, okay... Greenfield starts to do something. He starts to kind of go through the paperwork, but in the midst of all that, and this part's even kind of funny to me. It's kind of like, okay, they're at the crazy cat lady's house and Burt Reynolds and Lauren Houghton are like, oh, we're going to go walk around the beach and fuck. You ugly people stay in here and do the fucking work. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Get that paperwork done. By by morning, I expect it all to be laid out for me. (laughs) And then... I mean, sure enough, I mean, Greenfield and uh, the crazy cat lady end up fucking too, but it's, like, meant to play more for laughs. She's like, I don't know what it is, but there's something about you. I can't put my finger on. Like, Arr. and they just, they're going in for a kiss, and then, you know, we move to other shit. We go back to the sexy makeout <laughs> section. Well, on, that, that's totally, like, 70s style. Like, you know, the, the, the hot people stay off the hot people, the ugly fucks stay off the ugly fucks. That's just how it was back then. It was simple. You know, you, you knew where you stood. Exactly. And then, to make it even worse, what ends up happening the next morning is uh, Bama finds out where they're at. They find out that Bert Bert Reynolds is back in town. Because at some point he's working with them. He says, hey man, look, I don't think you should be doing this. He's like, well, tell you what, Gator, I really like you. I don't want no harm to come to you. And he drugs him and tells uh, Bones, which is his big strong guy, says, all right, leave him in a car on the edge of town. Don't kill him. Don't hurt him. Just leave him out there. Hopefully this boy stays away. And that's what makes this character so interesting. Because you can see how ruthless he is, but then all of a sudden you see, oh, he actually does have a soft spot for this guy. They must have some history. I'm wondering if that goes into White Lightning, because I never saw White Lightning. So I looked that up, and that character's not in White Lightning, so I don't think, which is kind of weird. It feels like that character should be, you know, but he, apparently he's mm-hmm. not in there. Or if he is, he's not played by, um, what's his name, um... Uh, Jerry Reed. Jerry Reed. Which also, Jerry Reed did the Gator theme song in the beginning, which is pure amazing. <laughs> it is kind of that thing, like that, um, that, uh, like, Red Savine kind of, or like, like the Jeremiah Johnson kind of theme. Yeah. It, yeah, it's, it's definitely like that. And he also did, like, Smokey and the Band. Like, technically, Jerry Reed, that's like his main thing, is he does a lot of themes for movies and things like that, or at least at that time period, almost more than even acting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it just has that whole thing where it's almost like you don't see that too often in movies anymore. Just like, I'll go on getting coppers if you can. <laughs> you know, like, where it's almost the theme song is almost insulting the cops. Like, oh, you stupid fat fucking pigs. Like, you can catch the gator. <laughs> Old gator. Ain't nobody going to get the gator now. He's a man of his word. Well, anyway, so when Jerry Reed and his goons go over to uh, that, their, the house and like, like okay, well... While we continue straightening out these papers, why don't you kids go get us some breakfast? So it's like, okay, cool. You guys keep on doing all the paperwork. We'll go take care of miscellaneous, like, miscellaneous things to keep us away from this bullshit. 
There's like, and then there's there's this. I have to say this. There's a scene that comes up like in this part where they go to get groceries, and Burt Reynolds is like, "Oh, I gotta go make a phone call," and it almost feels like the most unnecessary scene I've seen in a movie. Like literally, like I don't know. Has absolutely nothing to do with anything, but there's like these two kids and they're like on the phone, like with this dog. And they're like, Mister, on the phone. They're like, We found your dog. We want your fucking reward. You know what I mean? And you could just tell these kids probably snuck in the backyard and fucking stole this dog for the last like five days and just to make a fucking a dollar. And, um, and then he's like, Burt Reynolds has to get on the phone, talk to this guy to prove that they have the dog and everything like this. But I'm like, That scene goes on for like five minutes for some unknown reason, like why that's even in there. That, that's weird because the movie's already roughly two hours, so it's not like it's cutting in like an hour and 75 or something. So you, it is kind of weird, like, why that's... You know what? It wouldn't surprise me at least a bit. I have done zero research on this part. wouldn't surprise me at all if those two kids were, like, the producer's kids or some shit like that. Yeah, that you know, maybe that could be it, something like that, because it's just such a... Has nothing to do with anything else. It's like Burt Reynolds eventually just gives him a buck each and says, "Get the fuck out of here," so he can use the phone. And it, as I said, just it's one of those like weird scenes. It's just like I just don't know what it's there for. Like, yeah, I'm not saying it's like bad or anything like that. It's just like, why is that even there? That feels like totally like a deleted scene. You know what I mean? And like maybe it probably like nowadays it would have been like a deleted scene, but then it's like fuck it, we shot it, put it in there. <laughs> I could see it being like that. I mean, but while that happens though, that's where. Um... Bama McCall and his goons go and they fuck he fuck he walks around with a sawed off shotgun and fucking blows Greenville away just fucking blows him away and they're trying to pull drag and he starts to light up the he starts with gasoline and everything lights it up walks out like, and they the got lady. the crazy cat lady hostage you're like bring the lady with us my babies are in there my babies and she's not really all that concerned about the guy she fucked last night dead in her room but she's like, my baby! She runs inside, back inside the place, and then that's when you hear a scream, and then more of an explosion of fire. She's like, okay, let's get the fuck out of here. Yeah, it's just like that cat lady has, like, a terrible fucking death with her cats and everything like that. <laughs> but then it's like, see, that's the thing. It's like, this movie could have, like, a dark moment like that. And then it's like, when they go to get the papers, like, initially before that, you know, they get out of the car, like, okay, we're going to sneak in there. She still has the keys because she's trying to be a freedom fighter and whatnot. And she's like, but you got to take my cats in there, too. It's like, what? She's like, no, I'm not going if you don't take my fucking cats. And then there's these, these cats that's just fucking, like, freaked out. And it's, like, latched on to, like, fucking Burt Reynolds' like, shoulder. And they're, like, running in, carrying these cats. And these cats, this whole time, it's, like, obviously, they got, they're, like, dubbed over just, like, with cat meows. But you can just tell these cats are just, like, they have no idea what the fuck is going on. <laughs> and it's just, like, it's almost like, is it this lady? I, I think it's just to show how crazy this lady is. Even though she wants to do good, it's, like, why would you take... You know, fucking cats in on like an espionage, like fucking sneak in Sam Fisher mission here. You know what I mean? It's like the worst thing you could possibly have. Yeah. Also, well, it's one of those things like the way the cats are meowing the whole time. And usually you'll hear like a cat meow, like, oh, that's cute. But they're at that point where it's like, Beyond thing, like there's a long, like drawn out, like oh, I must be fucking pissed off, or it must be fighting another cat. Like it's that for like five minutes straight as they're trying to get these papers and sneak by. And Burt Reynolds is just like, what the fuck? You can tell. Like I wonder if there is like no animals or harm to making this. I didn't, st- I didn't really watch the credits for that part though, because you can just see these cats are just trying to get off Burt Reynolds. Like the, the real life cats didn't even want to fucking be there. 
Well, you could just tell Brian for Burt Reynolds, that would probably was a terrible scene to shoot. He's like, probably like that was so annoying and obnoxious to have these fucking cats just like <laughs> latch to your fucking arm. You know what I mean? Like just digging their fucking claws in. Yeah. Yeah. Just one of these weird. And here's the thing too. Burt Reynolds directed this movie. So obviously he set himself up for it. It's like, it seemed like a good idea at the time. <laughs> yeah. To- that, that's probably like one of those ideas you have like when you first, because this is his first movie he ever directed it. So it's like probably that idea that you're like, yeah, sure. That, that, that'll be interesting. And then it's like later I was like, that was stupid. Why did I do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, this movie, um, and as it goes on, like basically they end up going to this hotel. They uh, like decide to do more of a, I'm surprised that, uh, how do I put this? I mean, I guess you saw a lot more of these kinds of things in the 70s, but I guess it comes to mind. I was I was expecting something a little bit more of kind of like the getaway, and it's sort of in that ballpark to an extent. But it's more comes across as a one of those... I mean, I, I, I don't think it's based on a book, but it comes across as one of those um, 1970s small-stakes crime thrillers that was based off a book, and there is, like, say, Gator probably... like. If this was a book series, Gator probably had like maybe seventeen books he was in, or something kind of like that. Kind of like that Parker character. Yeah, I was saying like Parker like and like those kind of characters. Like he feels like a a guy that you would. I'm actually kind of surprised there's actually not more of these movies. They just feel like you would almost like once you kind of realize like oh there's White Lightning. It almost feels like it needs like a third movie too. But mm-hmm. well, apparently White Lightning was a lot more serious than this movie was. Well, that's because White Lightning's known as like a pure classic. I mean, even. Quentin Tarantino uses music from White Lightning and Kill Bill, and also I think it's in Glorious Bastards too, and it's referenced in like the special features of um, uh, fucking Grindhouse, Death mm-hmm. Proof. You know what I mean? So it's like that movie's a big deal movie, and Gator's kind of like almost like the hidden sequel, you know? Because it's like I've heard of it before, but it's not like one of those ones like shit. You got to see Gator. You know what I mean? Like Smokey and the Bandit's kind of like the other like real big Burt Reynolds movie. It's like what you never seen Smokey and the Bandit? Oh fuck, you're in for a treat. Or Cannonball Run. Oh yeah, Cannonball Run. That's another real big one too. Like these just like huge. And it's like I kind of wonder because you know this is actually a genre you don't see really at all anymore. And it's like that kind of like southern. Like, really Southern Pride movie, but not, like, in a bad way. It's, like, almost like all the good stuff of being in the South, you know? And you just really don't see them. It's, like, they were huge in the 70s. They still existed in the 80s. And even in the 90s, you could still find them, but they kind of started petering out by about that point. And nowadays, you just... I mean, like, I can't even really think of one that... You know, there's the Dukes of Hazzard remake. That's, like, the closest thing I can think of. Or the movie. But, like, other than that, though, it's, like, there's just not tons of these type of movies out there anymore. I guess the closest thing that comes to mind, it's not even so much a Southern Pride movie as it is just location, uh, Bullet to the Head. Yeah, Bullet to the Head. I mean, like, there's movies like, yeah, they're, they're in the South and things like that, but just kind of, like, almost... And, like, Southern Pride in, like, a good way. And it's, like, I think it's because now, nowadays Southern Pride's looked at as, like, a very, like, dirty thing. Like, you know, almost like you're not allowed to have Southern Pride anymore, mm-hmm. which is... Which, when you watch all these movies, there's nothing ever, like, bad in them. You know what I mean? There's never, like, that stuff where you're like, oh, fuck. It's not, like, these people, like, everybody's still... It's, like, that's why I always, like, I always hated when they started fucking, like, capping on the Dukes of Hazard. It's, like, dude, it's, like, anybody who thinks the Dukes of Hazzard because they got that Confederate flag on top of their car are bad people. It's, like, dude, they're, like, the best people ever. It's, like, have you never watched a fucking Dukes of Hazard episode? They're fucking freedom fighters to, like, the T. You know what I mean? They're friends of everybody, you know? There's, mm-hmm. you, you know, they, they there's black people in there, and it's, like, there's not there's nothing fucking racist about it. I don't, it's, like, I feel that that, that kind of hatred comes just from people 
like they they look at the cover and they go fuck this stuff. It's probably like the same people that look at like Eat My Dirt or Eat My Dust, that Ron Howard movie or whatever, and he's got like the Confederate flag hat on and everything like that. Like, oh, it's just a bunch of racist white people in it. That's probably what this movie is, you know. And it's just like well, it's there's... a di- it's that '70s time period where it's just like it, it's a different. I just don't think yeah, it's it's like that's clearly not looking into what the content is. Well, there's also um, going back to this. They try to make a point to even kind of like tiptoe around that because the only one who's being kind of racist is Bama McCall, Jerry Reed's character, because he said because he's talking about like here it might be mean to hear, but here's the thing about working with uh, doing this kind of work. Sometimes some people are easy to work with, some people are hard to work with, and he goes into like this kind of it almost like a kind of a toned down Quentin Tarantino monologue about dealing with black people. And he says like, someday they're the easiest someday, not so much. And then <laughs> like they even to get a point, that's get a point. He's the bad guy. And then Burt Reynolds comes in like, I never had no trouble with them. I think they're just fine. You know, so they're, that's, they're just, they're doing that South park thing. That kind of like, we have someone say someone, something really offensive, have someone else say, I don't know. Makes it okay. <laughs> yep. That's always the key thing. It's like you, you, you can get away with that like in generally a script. It, I mean, it might offend somebody, but as long as one character says, I don't believe in this, then it's okay. But I feel like that's just kind of like that would just be like that guy. That's just the way he's dealed business. This is just from his experience, you know, what he's learned. You know what I mean? Like doesn't mean it's it's like necessarily 100%. Well, it probably is right. And like the, the world that he's in, this is what he knows. You know what I mean? And I think sometimes people forget that kind of stuff too. Like, but then, like, you know, when Burt Rounds has to go and, like, get this, collect the money and whatever and stuff, you can just see people have, like, this ultimate fear of fucking Bam. He's like, this is fucking wrong. Can't be doing this. And he has that moment with that mom, and he's really friendly with her, and he's trying to be chill with her, and she's kind of, like, a little off, a uh, little off put by it. Like, well, why are you being so nice? Well, you guys don't work this way. And then, the, which I really like that scene. And then there's the part, though, that the part, though, right before he gives that monologue and Bama's going after that one dude who owes him money. That's where I think we see the sawed-off shotgun for the first time. He goes out. He shoots. The guy's driving off, almost hits him. He takes out his tire, walks up to him, and he's back to, like, the, the super friendly southern boy kind of charm. Like, hey, man, what you doing? You know you still owe me some money. It's like, oh, yeah, right, I do. Come on, man. Why don't you, why are you making it so difficult? I don't know. I just slipped my mind. Like, oh, I know it did. You know, he's like, okay, let me get you your money. And they're both smiling. Like, <laughs> it's like something just so off-putting about that. It's just so, it, it, that really works. But it's just kind of so creepy. Just like how nice the guy is after he just shot a fucking shot, sawed off shotgun at his car. Yeah, exactly. And then it's like comes up and it's just, well, it's almost like he the the guy realizes that there's no escape now. So it's just kind of like he's going along with it. Like, what are you gonna do? Run away now? You know what I mean? Clearly, that's not gonna work out. <laughs> just that thing of like, yeah, he, he can be your best buddy. If, if if you're doing everything right, Bama can be your best buddy. But the second that you try to like cross him, that's it. Well, even when you cross him, he still forces a smile. He's still he's still nice. It takes a lot. He still presents him. that charm. That's the thing. It's like you know what I mean. That's why I mean I, I saw the ratings on this one. The ratings on this one are really low. But I think that people. I mean, it's not. I'm going to say this. It didn't really blow me away. I enjoyed the movie. Um, I want to see White Lightning a lot more. Here's actually a funny thing I want to mention real quick. Um, I while well, looking for this movie because you were going to send me some kind of link to it, but I couldn't find it anywhere. So then you I'm didn't like, get okay, my email. I guess I'll go hunt. 
I didn't get no email. I didn't see nothing from the email. But I went. But anyway, it doesn't matter. I saw the movie. So some other so Ryan I, Dunnigan forgot this email then. Some other Ryan Dunnigan like, all right, so somebody under the username of <laughs> Who Alucard. Who the fuck is sending some, me Gator? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, someone else got someone else got a free copy of Gator, which is good for them. But anyway, so <laughs> Hopefully they'll I enjoy uh, it. went out looking. I went out looking for this movie, and first I was like, okay, I know it's not going to be that helpful, but I'm going to try uh, YouTube. So even though it, I know it's not going to be that fucking helpful. So I went to YouTube, and I'm watching this movie for like the first five minutes. And it's one of those things where it's kind of like, to avoid copyright shit, the movie is kind of, the, the movie's kind of like flipped opposite way. Like, how do you put it? Like, it's, um... Mirrored. It's, uh, mirrored. Yeah, there you go. It's mirrored. And then it's kind of in a small frame, kind of, so it's like the aspect ratio is almost in half. Like, oh, it's going to be ugly to watch, but okay. And I'm watching this, and I didn't see the opening credits. I didn't remember seeing the title. I'm just watching this movie. I'm like, he doesn't have the mustache. And he doesn't, he, all right, they just called him Gator, but, and I just, I looked at the poster, because I was just, I had IMDB up, because I was just looking at the poster, looking at the name, like, that does, looks a definitely different movie. And then I scroll down, and I'm like, wait a minute, I just double checks with, this is White Lightning. And I was watching, like, the first five minutes to White Lightning, and there was, like, even a song from Kill Bill in that movie, that, I mean, there was a movie, a song from that movie that they dropped into Kill Bill, or one of those. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah. it was even Death Proof. Yeah. Some Tarantino movie. I know I've heard of a Tarantino movie before. So I was like, oh, shit. So yeah, because he, 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 he took songs to from find. for Kill Bill. Yeah. In one of those ones like that, too. So there yeah. is that there as well. Yeah, th- this was surprisingly hard to find. The only thing I could find it on was... Jeez, um, I already forgot what it was called. It was like some streaming service called Voodoo or something like that. And they had some kind oh, of like... Oh, Voodoo? Voodoo, yeah, they had some kind of like most random streaming service, and it was one that was uh, partnered through Walmart. Like, do you have a Walmart participation card? I'm like, uh, makes sense, Gators. Well, Voodoo is the one that pretty much whenever you get in a Blu-ray, you get the little like digital copy. That's what mm-hmm. you use is Voodoo. You know, it, it, especially well, for the movies that don't work in iTunes. Like, you can either mostly use them in iTunes, but if I think if they're Warner Brothers movies, Warner Brothers is like fuck you and your iTunes. You use a fucking Voodoo. Yeah, because I was looking, I went on PlayStation, I was looking on um, YouTube, I was looking a bunch of places, couldn't find this thing. So I was like, oh, wow, this is all all friends to have it. Yeah, I know, it's weird, and it's funny, it's like, because I I have the Gator copy, but I don't have, like, the site that I, like, downloaded Gator from, it's like, I can't find fucking White Lightning on there, too, you know? Because probably it's expensive movie, well, maybe not, it might be expensive about it on DVD, but it could be one of those ones where it's like, you know, more than you'd want to spend, like, oh, it's 20 bucks, like, you know what I mean? Like, sometimes old movies are like that, it's like... It's like that. That always seems kind of pricey. Yeah, but I'm um, going back to this movie itself for a second. Going back to the fin- finale. So after they get away from, um, after uh, the uh, Lauren Houghton and Burt Reynolds get away, and all oh, the ugly people are fucking dead because <laughs> that's the way it works. <laughs> it was the '70s. They manage to go to this hotel, and it just has a scene like, hey, can we get a room from you guys, newlyweds? Can we get it far away from uh, from everyone else? He's like, oh, uh, yeah, sure. Plan to make some noise tonight? Oh, a little bit of noise. And then they just kind of set it up in a way where they have the gas going. Bones, the big the big guy. Who, uh, there's something I forgot to mention. Whenever that dude's driving a car, they get across. This guy is so fucking huge. He's kind of like sticking his head out of like the top, the, top of the of the hood of the, the sunroof like down. And it's like I remember because at first when I saw that before I realized he was a giant. I'm like, 
what the fuck is going on there? Like, that guy's head's sticking out like that. But it's like, he's so big that he has to have the sunroof down. And he's looking over. So he, he really looks like almost Dino. like a McDonald's toy. Like, when they have, like, somebody and they place, like, in, like, like almost like perfect examples. Like, use, like, the Batman uh, Returns toy where Batman's, like, <laughs> head's popping out of, like, the, the Batmobile as he's driving. Like, it looks like that. If they had gator, if they had gator micro machines or gator like McDonald's toys, yeah, yeah. So you and you and you press down on Bones' head and then it shoots forward. You know, like that's like what the toy would be. And you know what's the funny thing too is originally actually Burt Reynolds was going to get Richard Keel to play um, Bones in it, but somehow some way Richard Keel didn't have time, and that's the guy who played Jaws in uh, 007 as well as uh, and he's in Happy Gilmore and a bunch of other movies. Oh, that's who I thought it was at first. But yeah, no, this guy, this guy's a little bit different. And this, the weird thing is that this movie, I just checked because I want to see what other movies he was in. This was the last movie he did. I mean, it wasn't like he died anytime soon. He lived all the way up till 2000s, but it was like, yeah, he didn't do any other movies past this point. Uh, maybe just a guy did my one. I'm fine. It was, it was fun while it lasted. Maybe it was one of those kind of things. Because sometimes you get those people like that. Like, I assumed that, uh, you're the one that told me, but I assumed George Lazenby was in the next Bond film because he wasn't popular. I was like, no, 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 I did fine. I just, uh... Movies aren't for my thing. I just want to go off and do other shit. Yeah, because, like, George Lasby literally turned down. They're like, hey, we'll give you a million dollars. You get, or, you know, a contract for six more 007 movies. You get it all. And he's like, nah, this sounds fun. I'm done. Did my one thing. I'm out of here. And that was it. It's just like, and that's almost like, you almost got to give somebody credit for being able to say, like, yeah, I, I can just fucking, like, toss a, you know, a couple million dollars in a fucking fire and walk out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just because it's just, you know, I want to do my thing. But uh, going back to what was uh, the guy that played Bones? That that dude right there. I just whenever he had his head stick out of the car, I was just thinking Dino from the Flintstones. That's all I was thinking. <laughs> That's totally true too. It's just like it just it's it's kind of funny, but it's almost like what's well, like it's kind of cool because I'm like I've never seen that before. I don't think in any movie. So it's like that's always the thing that you can get something kind of refreshingly different looking, and it just almost kind of worked. You know, I, I wonder like how that works. Like a police officer, like uh sir well shit what do i tell the guy <laughs> you know what i mean like he Can clearly duck down in a little car. lower yeah but it's kind of like a, like a safety hazard at the same time i wonder if that was also one of those things where which probably i should probably looked up on trivia but i wonder if it was one of those things where it's just like that was in the scripts or if that was like a last minute thing of like dude dude try this but, but if i just slouch down just a little bit i fit in the car just fine dude just try it out just try it out like all right bert yeah, well, because I feel like they probably made him a little bit taller just to make it, because probably it's more like maybe the top of his head poked out, but, like, they wanted to make it so his full head popped out or whatnot. There wasn't really a whole mm-hmm. lot of trivia on this movie, or even, like, on all, everything I looked up, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of... There was just a little bit on the Wikipedia. I mean, obviously, somebody wrote a fucking ginormous plot summary. That was kind of amazing, but for the fact that White Lightning has, like, one paragraph, Gator had, like, fucking ten paragraphs. <laughs> Yeah, but other than that, though, like even the trivia was real short and everything like that on IMDb. So there's not tons of information on there. I don't even know if there's like a big. It's probably not like a big old special features if you have like the Blu-ray or anything like that. I bet you it's one of those bare bones kind of copies. Not might have the trailer if you're lucky. Might this might be a kind of a Young Guns one, Young Guns two situation where uh, the first one everyone knows and loves. Second one, like oh yeah, that happened. Even though I love Young Guns two more than Young Guns one, I still yeah. see White Lightning. Now this move. Now, when they go in there, though, I keep, I keep on, I keep on forgetting them. Um, when when they go in there to uh, take care of, uh, take care of um, Bert and uh, and Lauren uh, Houghton, and they have the gas run, and the guy goes in there to set this thing, so the lamp falls off. He fires and shoots at the lamp, and then 
the place just explodes because they have the gas running. That's where Bert just has this whole on just like it's a very quick fight, but he just grabs uh, Bama and he's just slamming him through different kiosks. You remember that part? He just like he's like he, there's like a yep. wooden kiosk on the beach. He's like bam through that, bam through that. Well, it's almost like they had kind of like a carnival thing set up, you know, on the beach. They're just kind of a tiny one. So, like, in the summertime, you know, there's some games and, you know, carny type stuff. But I, I thought that fight scene was actually a really cool fight scene. It's kind of quick, but just, like, I love how, like, they literally slam through, like, one building and you don't see the interior. And then they bust through the other again and keep continuing on this brawl. And that's even it's the like thing, the, too. Is the, like, the, the camera follows it as they just go on from, like, one thing to the other. Yeah, it's just like, I don't know, it's like, I thought that last fight scene, though it's very simple and kind of almost, like, toned down, especially compared to, like, almost like the boat scene in the beginning, it was really cool. And I even like, too, going back, this goes just a little bit before, is, like, when he sends uh, Bones to go to the hotel room, it's almost like Bama kind of realizes that probably Burt Reynolds has set up some type of trap, so he almost, like... It's almost like just like that character itself just kind of knows it. So he's like, hey, you can use my shotgun and everything. It'll be great. So he's using them as like the patsy to go in there, just knowing that there probably is something wrong with that room. Someone we didn't talk about yet was Smiley, who was just. Oh, my gosh. That character. Like, like that. It's like he's he's literally like the definition. Mr. Rape face. Yeah. The gay rapist. Like, that's the best way to describe that character. It's just like. Because at first when he meets him, he's like, hey, how's it going? He's just got this smile that looks like he could almost play like the Joker. That's like how big his fucking smile's going. And he's almost like arms are kind of around Burt Reynolds. He's like, so you were in prison. He's like, I hear boys kind of get together and, you know, have a lot of fun, if you know what I mean. Did you get to do that while in prison? You know, it's just like he's so interested in, like, prison rape. I feel like it was maybe in that because it was also one of those things, like, can't trust him. It's the seventies, but at the same time, it also could have been one of those things where he was just trying to intimidate him and fuck with his fuck with him mentally. Because he's like, I'm doing I'm doing this right now in front of a bunch of other people. You're not going to hit me in front of all these other people, are you? Yeah, and that's what it might have been. It might have been like just a scare tactic. You know, it's like something that you know you always think of like kind of like sometimes there's people in the military that would do that kind of thing where they just act really fucking gay and to be to be intimidating. Josh, yeah. Yeah, America's like, yeah, everybody I know from the military always has those, like, jokes where they just fucking get, like, so gay with each other. And it's just, like, it's a very common thing, you know, to the point where it's, like, almost like, you can be slapping dicks as long as you don't make eye contact. It's okay. But then there'd be that one guy who would try to make eye contact just because he tried to prove himself more badass, but almost would come across just that much gayer. And just to clarify, um, we've had Josh as our friend. He's been on maybe, like, two or three episodes. He's a really good guy. But you did a great representation of in your comic, Pizza Boys. I, when I was reading that, like, yeah, this seems very much like Josh. Well, that's what he told me. He's like, he's like, dude, just make my character have, like, some kind of funny, like, military gay jokes. I'm like, like, not like gay jokes, like, being derogatory, but just, like, that type of style. You know? And it's like, yeah, okay, I'll do that. <laughs> and Smiley definitely kind of has, not that, but he want, he also has, he's kind of a less threatening version of that guy from Roadhouse, like, I used to fuck guys like you in prison. <laughs> yeah, almost like that kind of style. And then I love that part where, like, he shows up and he's going to, like, uh, who, who is he going to fucking take out? He's going to take out somebody. And then all Greenfield. of a sudden. I think, it's Ir- I think it's Irving Greenfield. Oh, yeah, because yeah, Greenfield, West like, he's, he's when he's trying to sneak out of, like, the hospital or whatever. And I love this, like, what well, part made me laugh. It's like, okay, he takes this long time. And, like, he's getting out of bed. He's just like, 
He's in so much pain. Like, it's so hard for him to get dressed. Burt Reynolds is going to come pick him up outside the hospital. It's nighttime. There's this other guy who's just fucking... Who knows what happened to this poor bastard? He's just, like, laid up next to him in the bed. Fucking his, like, entire legs look like they've been shattered and whatnot. And then even, like, you know, Greenfield makes a joke. He's like, well, you know, a couple Jews in here always suffering no matter what. And they're like, oh, and he, like... Starts fucking hobbling down the hall or whatnot. He's got this neck brace on and everything like that. Just like as slow as can be. And then he sees the night nurse there. And he decides, he's like, puts on some sunglasses, puts on a hat, takes off the brace. And then kind of walks by as calmly as he can, saying like, almost like he's a doctor. And then he kind of puts it back on. And he's still like hobbling, hobbling. And then he finally gets outside and a car pulls up. And instead of being Burt Reynolds, it's Smiley. And then all of a sudden, fucking Burt Reynolds comes flying by in a police car and, like, just smashes right into Smiley. And even has, like, one of those, like, close shots of, like, Smiley, like, oh, getting hit. Bones picks up and says, I'll take care of you. You're my friend. He, like, picks him up. He's only, like, he's a baby. like, running around. And, but then it's, like, Greenfield all of a sudden fucking, like, runs and dives in headfirst into the back window of the police car. It's like, boy, he got fucking limber all of a sudden. And they have that, it's, this is also, it seems like a very, like, kind of, like, of the time, kind of, well, I mean, you can still have this kind of joke now, but just, it seems, like, very fits, like, this type of movie. As he hops in there, as they're driving away, like, hello, nice to meet you, nice to meet you, too, meow. It's like a cat there. Because the cat lady's back there, so. Um, but I, I was going to say that uh, Greenfield's character, though, the, like, everything about him, just because he never gets that moment to shine. Okay, yeah, sure. He gets to kind of hook up with a lady just because he's so desperate. God, it's been so long, and she's not much to look at, but neither am I. And, oh. and then next morning, it's just as if nothing happened. Like, okay, let's just keep on straightening these papers out like it's no big deal. <laughs> yeah. And then he fucking dies. And, like, for the first part, half of the movie... He's just waiting at a hotel, going from place to place. Like, oh, don't worry, sir. Uh, my guy's on it. He's gonna hear. He's gonna gonna hear it from us. He, and then they like, while he's off, like, fucking hot southern girls and racing cars, getting into fistfights. Cut back to this fat guy at the side of a pool. She's like, Arr. excuse me, sir, are you staying here? No. Get the, well, fuck, out. the fuck out. <laughs> Then, then it's he finally, like nothing, then what happens? I mean, even he, in the beginning of the movie, like, when they're trying to find fucking Burt Reynolds or whatnot, they're chasing him around, the fucking other police officers are with him, fucking hate this guy so much, because he's like, yelling, he's like, I see this flare, go towards the flare, he's like, there's no way we can get there through there, he's like, I see it, you drive there, so the guy's like, whatever, and the, the fucking police officer just goes full board and crashes, like, right into the fucking trees, and they're just broken down there, it's just like, yeah, there you go, see, I tried it, didn't work, did it. I like how calm all the cops are about it. Like, eh, whatever, no big deal. Yeah. And as the thing's starting, you're like, oh, look, there's a helicopter going by. Is that fishing game? You know, the whole, I like, like, fucking John Stedman as Gator's dad. Just the angry old, like, gold miner-esque, like, <laughs> oh, you, you know, you, your daughter shouldn't be here. She needs to be with the other youngins. <laughs> I know, and then Gator's just got this kid who's just kind of sitting there, like, it almost, like, it's got that, like, it's almost kind of, she has, like, that tomboy look, because at first I thought it was a boy. <laughs> And it's like, oh, it's yeah. a girl, you know? And yeah, just like, I just love, just like, yeah, Gator's dad is just about as hillbilly as you can get. Just, like, literally the, the example of, like, total, like, Bayou guy who just, like, knows nothing. Like, his education was on the Bayou, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And he probably even named his boy Gator. Like, that was originally his probably name. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to name him Gator after my favorite pet. <laughs> yeah, after my friends, the Gators. Yeah. And then, um... 
but that he was he's not in it too long but i just kind of like how much like burt reynolds it almost feels like burt reynolds almost strong arms his dad in this shakes like he keeps on talking shit to him throughout that whole thing. Oh, God damn it, Gator, you gotta get a real job. You gotta find something. You gotta actually be a father. Like, oh, some father you were, you stupid, crusty old fuck. You tell him, Daddy. <laughs> it's just the way they talk to each other. Like, oh, what can I do? Like, yeah, what the fuck can you do, old man? I'll we make moonshine. Fucking... Get used to it. I'll break your fucking hip. <laughs> I feel like that's the shit they say off screen. <laughs> Oh, I know. Like he's just he, almost—he's almost forced his way back to his dad's home. Like, hey, guess what, Dad? I think you got the couch now. What? What do you mean? Well, I'm not in prison anymore, so uh, you take the couch, Dad. Oh, but my back's like, yeah, fuck your back. <laughs> <laughs> I can always bane you and then chuck you into the swamp. You can go hang out with your friends, the Gators. Yeah. And then there's that poor like black guy that like the boat i can't remember burt reynolds goes through it but somebody's boat literally just goes through this guy's like entire house and he's just standing on the deck watching just like well shit <laughs> those are yeah, the characters yeah, I, I, think I think about was... in life like no like and the only days i think it's just used as almost like a joke but it's like i just think like god that guy's life is just totally ruined now <laughs> that's probably all he had it was probably passed all he generations. had fucking destroyed and now it's fucking floating down the river it probably and it probably wasn't on actually it probably wasn't actually um documented by the government or anything so he's probably not going to get any kind of like tax yeah, return no insurance or, no insurance or anything, or anything or like anything. that yeah. he probably doesn't even pay fucking taxes mm-hmm. so that guy's fucked you know because that's oh. the whole reason why police officers chase moonshine runners is because they don't pay taxes yeah so hopefully hopefully that guy hopefully gator has a spot on the couch for that dude for a little while yeah hopefully they got a second couch because <laughs> that poor bastard just lost it all hey but, dad um, guess what you actually looks like you're being removed from the couch to the front porch! Oh, God damn it, Gator. I don't even, this guy, I let him borrow my weed whacker. Like, six years ago, he still ain't gave it back. <laughs> why does he get my goddamn couch? Well, I just realized, why does he need a weed whacker in the fucking swamp? I, just, <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, guess that never... grass gets kind of high. Maybe I ought to just trim the shit from the deck, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, you never want to know. There's, you know, you got, you got some tall grass there still. But um, overall, though, yeah, I, I still enjoyed Gator quite a bit. You know, yeah, it's, it's not like the greatest movie. It's not like – I always feel Burt Reynolds' movies, like, he's almost like like Clint Eastwood movies of the time are like, you know, those are like, oh, my God, these are fucking amazing. And Burt Reynolds is just kind of like slightly under it. Like, they're still really good, but it's almost like – I'll use this example. It's like you got Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, and then you sort of got like Jean-Claude Van Damme or um, – uh, what's his name? Fucking um, – uh, uh, Steven Seagal. Steven Seagal, like, like, the, like, the, like, they're still really fucking good, but they're just maybe not nearly as classic as, like, an Arnold or a, or a Stallone movie, you know? And that's kind of how I feel like, you know, like, anything Clint Eastwood does is pretty much, like, instant classic. It's kind of, like, like, you know what I mean? Like, the worst Clint Eastwood movie is still fucking really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like Burt Reynolds, is, he's just, like, right underneath there. And it's funny, because both, both Burt Reynolds and Clint Eastwood, like, you know, in the 50s or whatever like that, they got tossed out of fucking either Warner Brothers or, I think it was Universal, actually. And they said, yeah, you guys are fucking terrible actors. Get out of here. Nobody fucking wants you. And in the 70s, both of those guys became the top actors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is one of those things. Well, I think that people, I guess, I mean, I, I, you look long enough, I mean, you know, you could probably pinpoint to, like, Errol Flynn as maybe one of the first big action stars, and you could probably point to, even later, someone like John Wayne. So I guess the next generation of that, I guess, 
even though I like him more, Clint Eastwood's probably kind of like the J- like Jason Statham of his time, where a lot of people are like, oh, he always just plays like the angry mercenary or the guy who's kind of cockney and wants to fight, where Clint Eastwood always played the guy who was like, I just don't really want to be here, and I'm just tired of this bullshit. And, like, he can't cry. He can't cry. He tried once in a movie, and it's very awkward to watch. It's not because, oh, he's crying, he's a pussy. Not like that. He just can't cry. It's literally, we, I know we talked about this before, but like an outlaw of Jos- outlaw Josie Wales. <laughs> it's just like dry when heaving. His, when his family dies, and he's trying hard to cry, but even he, he directed that movie. He's trying to hide his face, too, because he's like gripping this cross. The cross is going down, and he's like... <sighs> Just squinting his eyes, <laughs> he starts to bury his ar- his face into his arm, just like, don't let the camera see me. This is my sad face. So, don't get me wrong, I love Clint Eastwood. I think he's a pretty great actor for the most part, but when you get, he just can't cry. But I think it's just, maybe he lost his tear ducts in the war or something. I don't know. You know, yeah, they, they just dried up when he got fucking dragged across the desert and fucking, like, good, the bad, and the ugly. Like, in a good, bad, the ugly. <laughs> So it's like that. That was the end of it, but um, but no, it's like at the end of the day, that's like I always love Burt Reynolds movies. It's like you know, you know who's in the same category, sort of as Burt Reynolds, I guess, is almost um, um, I'm just fucking drawing a blank on everybody's name today. Fucking Death Wish. Um, oh, Charles Bronson. Charles Bronson. You know, what I mean, he's kind of like you know, just I don't mean like in a bad way, but they're just kind of like one kind of step behind. It's almost like. You could sell almost a Clint Eastwood movie or a Steve McQueen movie to anybody, but the people that are going to like Charles Bronson and maybe like Burt Reynolds and so on are people that are going to be like really into action movies. I feel like that Burt Reynolds, I mean, he got, he has a lot of that longevity, but I feel like people like Burt Reynolds and even like uh, Charles Bronson, like you come in and you do it like it's a job and they almost have this kind of working class mentality of it. That's how Clint Eastwood came in at it. That's how Charles Bronson went at it. That's how, um... People like I think Yul Brynner went in at it, so mm-hmm. I think that just it's that that old timey kind of you know like oh well you know someone said I looked good and I stood in front of a camera one day and the next thing you know I'm a movie star like those stories you would hear, and then I think I mean I, I think someone like uh, Burt Reynolds probably he did like hey this fame shit's pretty cool and became a little bit more of a celebrity out of that, but guys like Bronson or Eastwood always had that. Like you could like that that is that an actor or is that a guy who just got off work from the steel mill? Yeah, exactly. Like like they feel they feel a little bit more almost I guess you could say real. Like they're not like they're definitely not the person who's like I went to Shakespeare school and then I did Broadway and then you know I worked my way up and I tried to you know they're not like actor actors they're more just like and I feel those almost kind of come across a little bit more real you know in the long run. Lots of times those actors seem to stand out even more. Not say there's anything wrong with being like the super like acting is life because I look at like Tom Cruise. That's that's like what Tom Cruise is. Tom Cruise is like acting is life. Everything it is, but he takes it fucking to like awesome limits. You know what I mean? Like he's just all movies all the time. Where I feel some of these other guys, at the end of the day, if they didn't have to act, it's like, well, whatever. I could go do something else. You know what I mean? They, they don't they don't like live, breathe, and die by like the film. When I see someone like you know William Holden or like um, Ernest Bor- uh, Borghini, like I see those guys, you're like, oh wow, these guys they look like they kind of just stumbled onto. Uh, like a like a soundstage somewhere or on the movie set, like what the hell is going on here? Like I oh, just wear this cowboy hat and all right, I guess. Yeah, and I guess I'll some, do it. Like that works though. That works. Those guys, like those kind of actors, always like stand out to me. And I think you know we do have a lot of great actors, but I think now it's at that point. Like uh, I'm not saying like acting isn't the same as it used to be, but I guess <laughs> before there wasn't all this 
I don't know. How, how do I put this exactly? I guess I feel like what we what we I, I think that a lot more people just kind of stumbled into it back then. Like they had a friend of a friend, and like, yeah, I'll give acting a shot. Isn't that kind of what happened to Clint Eastwood? Didn't he just? kind of stump night within he like uh yeah he literally just kind of like stumbled into it that was like not even really like a kind of like a goal mm-hmm. you know yeah. it was just one of those ones like oh okay yeah i guess i'll come on down next thursday and try out you know whatever like what's the worst it's gonna have that's almost like how i think channing tatum's almost like a modern story is sort of that but he has you that know, pretty that chiseled pretty boy look and he was a male dancer at the time so yeah he, he had other skills like it was almost like more gravitating towards it, but I think he was like one of those kind of guys. Like acting wasn't like his first choice, and then all of a sudden it's like, "Hey, you should do acting." Oh, uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that y- you don't hear that as much anymore because now people, if they're actors, they've been wanting to be an actor for a long time, and they've been working hard at it for a long time, and they can get into like a tough, grizzled role. But there's something about like all these because, but th- there's that time where you have like a film star. He's like. This guy's in his 50s, he's leading a group of outlaws, and he's worn out and tired, and I fucking believe it. And you can uh-huh. still have that in these movies, in, like, modern-day movies, but I still think I see that as much. I feel like it's usually, like, they gotta go a little younger and make them a little more chiseled and prettier to help sell the thing. That's true. I feel like, I, I feel like almost like your gritty kind of, like, you know, male actors is kind of a lost one. Because I'm trying to even think of somebody who's not, like, you know, somebody who's kind of modern, who's, like, under the age of, like, 40... Who is in this like kind of like? Yeah, I mean, I guess there's been there's been times where like, okay, Brad Pitt, you have a five o'clock shadow, the lighting is really low, you're gonna be kind of angry and kind of moody. I can imagine those kind of roles, and the same thing with someone like oh, um, like uh, Chris Pratt, even. But well, really, even Brad Pitt, like like, if if you look at those early Brad Pitt movies, he goes between being like pretty boy to being like trailer trash scary redneck guy like like he has like a bunch of redneck movies right off the bat so you can almost it's weird because like he has some movies where it's just brad pitt and a beard a southern accent talking like drunk batman you know punching women fighting people there's like that brad pitt and then there's like brad pitt like almost in like film on the wheeze where he's like hey check out my abs you know mm-hmm. like how, how about that <laughs> i just woke up one day <laughs> They told me to stop <laughs> eating potato chips and drinking beer, and this happened. <laughs> it's amazing. I didn't really have to do any sit-ups or nothing. I just woke up like, whoa, awesome. <laughs> you know? So there's like, there's like, it's weird, because Brad Pitt's like, he's like two types of things. And I always feel like with actors, you know, I always feel there's, in a, in a sense, there's two main types of actors. There's the actors that just show up, and that's kind of who they are. And then there's like character actors, you know what I mean? There's like people who can come, and they can play a thousand different roles, and that's what they do really well. And then you got your like Clint Eastwoods who are like, you know what I mean? For the most part, Clint Eastwood's always Clint Eastwood in a movie, give or take. Everyone, like, in Clint Eastwood, there's only a couple movies that, like, I remember, like, Pink Cadillac. He sort of, like, character acts in it, and it fucking feels weird because it's just not, not what you're used to. But then, you know, then you got actors who, you know, they like to take on roles, and they like to change parts, and they like to be different characters and so on. You know, and that's, that's what they do, and that's what they do best. You know, people like, you know, Johnny Depp does that. And fucking, um, um, fucking Gary... I almost said Gary Busey. Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman. I know it's not Gary not, Busey. Not Gary Busey. Gary Busey just shows up and it's Gary Busey. But he just shows up and he's like just screaming at the sun. <laughs> exactly. But um, and that's sort of like what kind of like I feel like Burt Reynolds is. Burt Reynolds kind of like is he's in that Clint Eastwood category and everything like that. 
and you know now just kind of coming back around to Gator and everything like that. That is one of these ones like now I really want to see White Lightning. Like once I kind of realized that was all tied together, it's like oh I did I did not even know these two movies were the same thing. I've known about both these movies for a long time and just did not know that they were connected. And it really doesn't even say anything. You look at the movie poster at Gator, it doesn't say like you know you know White Lightning is back or something like that. It's just it literally looks like its own standalone movie. And I mean I'll say this at the end of the day like. I didn't even realize this was a sequel until I saw it online. Like, when I watched the movie, it never crossed my mind that it was. The second that I kind of am told it's a sequel, I can kind of go, oh, I can kind of see where some things are. But it's not like – it's still a standalone movie. It's almost like a 007 flick. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, won't set a date on it, but, I mean, we already did this one. Might as well do White Lightning at some point. Yeah, yeah, I think we should do that one somewhat soon, too. Just so, you know – yeah, we might not be our next retrospect, but maybe in, like – a couple, you know, weeks down the road or something like that, I think we should definitely do White Lightning, you know I mean? We'll split it up just a little bit, but definitely. Because I bet you, it's almost, if White Lightning's supposed to be, like, even one. better than Gator, like, and I like Gator quite a bit, you know what I mean? I, I feel like it's not, like, a legendary movie, but it is still, like, a really good flick. You know, it's, it's probably no different than, like, okay, you got the Clint Eastwood's um, Any Which Way But Loose and Any it's Which like Way joke. You Can. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Any Which Way But Loose is fucking amazing. And Any Which Way You Can is still good, but just not nearly up to par as, like, the first one. You know, still still very fun, but not, not the same. I feel like that's what this is. I you guess it's I mean? kind of like, it's kind of like, the, the only Clint Eastwood movie that I think that I saw that was a little bit of a letdown was Hang 'em High, because it's such a cool concept, but it kind of falls short and doesn't really go the full distance, and it kind of has that... We're going to continue on a sequel, but I don't know if that sequel ever came, if they called it something else. Because I think that's another thing a lot of movies would do. They would actually have a... They would change the... Even though it's a sequel, I think maybe they, they didn't call it, like, White Lightning 2 or something. Probably because they were nervous that people who didn't see the first one wouldn't go see this one. So that's probably one of the reasons why they're just like, uh, just call it Gator, and people who know it, good for them. But, like, uh, yeah. I think something like Clint Eastwood, the, like... I kind of see what, you're mean, what you mean, because there are those Clint Eastwood films, like there's, you know, amazing ones, like Outlaw Josie Wales, Unforgiven, or um, any of the Fistful of Dollars movies. And then you get something like Joe Kidd, which is good, but not mm-hmm. amazing. Or, like I said earlier, Hang 'em High, which is still an enjoyable movie, but not amazing, because it kind of lingers in the middle and it kind of happens a little longer than it needs to. Yeah, exactly. There's those kind of things. And I also think, too, sequels. Sequels is one of those things that's actually more of a modern thing. Like, sequels was something you almost didn't do very often. Because I think sequels are a lot of times associated with, like, bad B-movies in the olden days. And it's funny, because, like, when you talk to older people, a lot of older people just don't like sequels in general. They're always like, oh, it went more than three? What's the point? Like, why keep doing the same old thing? You know what I mean? Where I think a younger person, I think think it just comes from, like, comic books and video games and other things that, like, just have sequels up the yin-yang to the point where it's like, yeah, you can do whatever you want. But I think just, like, it's just an older generation was kind of like, no, you do it once and you do it really good. Maybe you have a trilogy if it's the right movie, but that that's even still kind of weird. Because you think about, like, Star Wars was a big deal to have, like, a trilogy. I mean, Godfather had part two, but it's almost like there was that. But for the most part, like, when you think of movies that have sequels, like, in the 70s and back, they're mostly, like, horror movies, you know, and weird sci-fi movies where it's like, it came again! It came the yeah. fifth time! You know, and it's just people just kind of milking those kind of movies. But for the most part, like, you don't think of, like, good movies. I mean, like, Good, Bad, and the Uglies, like, that's also another one. But that's also, like, those... They're almost not, like, sequel sequels. They're almost, like, still standalone movies that just happen to have the same character. 
Yeah, and that even kind of threw people off because he would get uh, the same actors to play different roles in later films. Like, wait, didn't that guy die in the last one? Or wasn't he good in the last one? So yeah. you'd get a little bit of that. But at the same time, it's like, no, it was well, uh, Sergio Leone just never really planned on making sequels. But then he's like, you know what? Maybe he died, but I'll get him again for this one because I like Lee Van Cleef a lot. Yeah, exactly. So there's that kind of thing. I mean, it, I know Magnificent Seven has sequels. So I'm mean, not saying there isn't movies that don't have it, you know, but... I just don't think it was, like, the common thing like it is nowadays. Like, nowadays, like, sequels are almost expected, you know? Like, and I'm always a big, you know, I like sequels. I fucking, sure thing, anymore. If I could get fucking Gator a third one right now, I would fucking take it. Like, old Burt Reynolds fucking still kicking ass. I mean, I know he's, like, super old now, like, you know, Clint Eastwood old. But still, I feel like, whatever, we can figure out a way. Um, You kind of clicked out there for a second, but I think you said something about 007 sequels. I think one reason, going back to, did you say something about 007 a second ago? Uh, I did a, like, 15 minutes ago. Oh, my bad. I thought you said something about 007. Uh, bad audio. Well, 007's, like, uh, one of the few anyway, ones, we'll too, go- that there is actually, like, a lot. But I think since they're all sort of standalone, they're based off a book, they can almost sort of get away with it. That, and also, I think the second you take, uh, like, a like you know, if they said, you know, White Lightning 2. Like, well, I didn't see Light Night, Light, White Lightning 1. This is before VHSs were super common. So I think yeah. the re- you get something like, all right, well, why call this... 0072 or 0073 when you just treat it like its own thing it just carries the same guy if you give a shit you know well i think that was it too because you know that's something that people almost kind of forget about that's like it wasn't really you know i mean vhs has existed in the 70s but nobody fucking had a vhs unless you were like super rich you know what i mean like it wasn't until like the 80s till like people started to have them more kind of commonly so it was that time period where yeah if you didn't see in theaters that was it so you couldn't really make like straight up sequels you had to have almost like standalone sequels if that was the case you know and that's what makes you know gator you can watch it and you don't even have to see white lightning you don't get lost whatsoever or anything like that it's just the second that you kind of know it's a sequel you're like oh okay i can kind of see that because they do talk about this character kind of like sort of in legend and they also um wasn't there a time though back when vhs's were first coming out weren't they really expensive like it's a big deal you know that thing you could see on the big screen you could have that in your house so it's like 50 bucks for a vhs did i hear that right was that true was it really expensive it, it v- probably was in the 70s i bet you but well vhs's were still fucking expensive even all the way up to the 2000s mm-hmm. you you because that's something that people kind of forget it's like vhs used to be like an old movie sometimes it was still like 10 bucks you know what i mean and 10 bucks in fucking like 1995 is like 20 bucks today well i'm thinking like back when it came out maybe it was inflation but i think i heard something like a lot of new movies when they came out to VHS for the first time, they were really expensive, like immediately like forty or fifty bucks sometimes, depending on the movie. So, I mean, I, I mean, I was just kind of wondering about that, just because maybe the idea of just like, oh my god, we used to have to go all the way to the the theater, to the, to the big building to see this thing. We just have it at our house, so of course it's expensive. Now it's like, oh, I don't give a fuck. Why am I paying this much for this fucking movie? I can get on digital. Yeah, well, that's what it was, because like there was also in the seventies. They had these, like, proto-laserdisc things, and they came, like, almost like in a cartridge-looking thing. And you would stick this giant fucking cartridge in, and you never touched the disc itself. But then the disc would come out inside the machine, and it would play it, and it had, like, this almost, like a record. You had this device, an analog device, that would go up and would touch the fucking disc, because this is before lasers. And it would fucking read the movie. And I couldn't remember if you had to flip it or if there was multiple discs in it, but, like... These things like this probably would have fucking cost easily 50 bucks a movie, if not more. I mean, hell, laser discs used to be around 50 bucks a movie. And some of them were like, if you buy like super special edition ones, they were like $100. Mm-hmm. 
So it's like almost like it's kind of like movies have really gone down in price like just recently to when you think about it like it's only been like 20 years because as I said VHS is you know think about to make that giant fucking VHS that's going to cost way more than making a DVD it was like until DVDs came out movies are pretty much always expensive. I mean, hell, remember, like, you fucking go to buy, like, a cartoon show, and they put two fucking episodes on the VHS, and it was 15 bucks in the 90s? Yeah, yeah, that's something from buying a lot of anime. There was, like, a... Because anime was always expensive, too, because, first off, it was Suncoast. We've been into that. And yeah. secondly, it was also one of those things, like, yeah, well, it's dubbed, and it's anime. Where else you gonna go, bitch? And then it would be like, yeah, so, okay, I'll give you 30 bucks for uh, two or three episodes. Okay, here we go. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I mean, anime, that, that's a whole nother ballpark. But even, like, I, I don't know, it's like the idea of getting a VHS until, like, the very end, brand new. Like, I, I don't even think, I don't even know how many times you could really find, like, a $5 bin of VHSs. I think that was even, like, slightly rare. You yeah. know, I'm not saying you didn't, but I just want to say I, I remember, like, fucking having to pay, like, 10 bucks for, like, old movies on VHS. You know, and this is towards, you know, somewhat the end of VHS's run. I don't think DVDs were out yet, or if they were, they were just barely out. But, yeah, it's just one of those ones, like... That was the reason why you just bought a VHS player and you just taped everything off fucking HBO back in the day. <laughs> there, was, there was a reason. Like, sometimes people always kind of question why certain parents would do that, but it's like, there was a fucking great reason why you did that. Or the well, other thing you do is you get two VHSs, and when you rent them from the store, you would just tape one VHS to the other VHS. I remember I doing remember, that quite often. I remember my parents had, like, City Slickers, uh, uh-huh. one and two, and I want to say that, like... This is also how you originally pirate it. You'd have to pay for it initially, but then they they would like get a movie off pay per view, and then they record it off the VHS. So I remember at some point we were they rented I think it was City Slickers two, and we were recording it. And at some point, my dad I remember this. I remember my dad changed the channel for a second. My mom's like, no, no, no we're recording that. Like, oh, okay, he goes back. So we're just watching the movie. It will be playing, <laughs> and all of a sudden it cuts it immediately to like a like a commercial for like. John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness, like, he is the dark one. He catches, like, a football, cuts back to, like, City Slickers for a second. (laughs) You know, and then, um... Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, it's like, I remember being a kid, I think my my parents owned, like, maybe, like, three, like, actual VHSs. You know what I mean? And and probably most of them, like, whatever ones they got, like... That was about it. And City Slickers was one of the only ones I remember they had. They had, like, City Slickers, like, Beverly Hills Cop, and, like, um... What was one of the other ones? Like, but like, that was like it. Everything else was fucking taped off, like HBO and TV and so on. I think movies didn't used to be cut like a lot of times when they were on TV because I'd watch. I mean, some of them were, but like you'd watch some of them like off Fox, and I'd be like, "What the fuck? It's not edited. That's fucking weird." You know what I mean? Like, it was mm-hmm. like now, I, maybe that was just an '80s thing. Like, no, people didn't edit things right off the bat yet. But I don't know why they wouldn't. Well, I remember I would do this thing whenever we record something right off VHS. Like, well, you know what? It kind of stands out among our VHS collection. It doesn't have, like, a sleeve like all these other ones. So I would literally get some printing paper, fold it around it, and then draw some stupid little ghetto-ass picture and crayon. Like, well, and, like, you know, Star Wars, you need to spell that. That was easy. Yeah, Return of the Jedi. So just two lightsabers crossed, bad uh-huh. picture of Darth Vader's head between it that I drew in crayon, and then Star Wars... I'm like okay, right on the side. There we go. Now it looks official. And then for city slickers, I'm like, I'm like, I don't want to get out. I, I, I was, I was good at spelling as a kid. I'm like, uh, I could pause. I could do that, or I could just draw a picture of a cowboy hat and some guns, and we all know what that is. Okay, cool. <laughs> 
Which really, like, it's like, that could be any West. And you know your dad's probably looking like, which Western is this one? <laughs> which one is it? Shit. <laughs> it's like you right know. next to, like, it's right between, like, Good, Bad, the Ugly, and the Wild Bunch. Shit, which one is it? <laughs> yeah, I'm not too sure. You know what I mean? It's for some reason, it's between a fistful of dollars and the Good, Bad, and the Ugly. I'm really thinking it's for a few dollars more, but I could be wrong. <laughs> I just remember, too, it's like I had a lot of, like, VHSs that were taped off Laserdisc, and that was the ultimate thing. It's like, ooh, now, now I got it widescreen. It looks fucking awesome. Like, that's what, like, my Jurassic Park was. That's what all my Star Wars movies were. So they were, like, all super fancy. To bring it back around, Gator is definitely one of those movies you'd see at your grandparents' house recorded off HBO. Oh, dude, it, it, the, Gator is totally that movie. You know what I mean? That's almost like I'm surprised I didn't have that like in like the collection of all kinds of stuff. Hell, that's how I saw Smokey and the Bandit, so it would have made sense. But but no, now we're now we're just rambling on about media and all that good stuff there. But Gator's one of those movies. Like I think you should definitely check that out. I think it's probably best if you probably watch White Lightning first, but that's not not necessary. That's what I learned. Yeah, yeah. But no, it's like yeah, Gator was fun, and it's just it's I just I like I love that '70s style. You know that kind of like redneck Dukes of Hazard like feel of like driving cars fighting cops you know i think this is what people kind of like really appreciate i think this is what people kind of wish redneck stuff was more like like it's not about racism it's not about like it's not about like uh confederacy shit it's just more about being rebel spirit but kind of like fighting the law and like doing like kind of like that freedom fighter mentality is the idea and i think a lot of people misconstrue you know that freedom fighter mentality shit with like we need to bring the confederacy back like no we don't but it's just this kind of vibe is that what i think people really romanticize and like uh and i think that's the thing is i i just think that a lot of times people that if you don't get it and you're kind of against it i just feel like you've never watched one of these type of movies or anything like that because there's just something really fun about that southern style that you only really got like in the 70s and 80s and then it kind of disappeared and it's it's just a cool section of cinema that I really wish that somebody would come back. You know, if, if somebody could do it, it's got to be like a Tarantino. He's like the guy who could bring back this style and have it work and people would be okay with. I feel like it might be tough for other directors, but it's one of those ones like it would be cool to see another movie like this again, you know. Well, I, the closest, I mean, it's not as much as this as it is, say, more of a, like a... I almost said Fast and Furious. Not even so much that. More just with a car movie. I, Baby Driver had a lot of Atlanta pride to it. I had some friends from Atlanta saying they noticed a lot of stuff. It seemed kind of winks and nods towards Atlanta. So I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, it's well, not I as mean, much as like the Rebel Atlanta, Spirit. It, but but it, I mean, just kind of like... It's more a movie that just takes place in Atlanta. And it's not really so much a southern good old boy. But I mean... I don't know. I can kind of see elements of what he means, but I think there would be it would be interesting to see that kind of old fashioned dirt back road out by the bayou kind of action muscle car movie that we haven't seen in a while. Yeah, and that's what I'll say is like when when you're in Atlanta, you're not really like in the South anymore. I mean that that's like a major metropolitan city. I mean they even make that joke in fucking Dukes of Hazard the movie where when they show up to Atlanta, they don't none of them fit in there because it's just. Mm-hmm. They just look like these backwoods type guys in this city that's all, you know, normal and so on. So I feel like that's, I mean, I mean, it's got the car elements and yeah, it takes place in the South. But a lot of these movies that take place in the South, they, they don't have, I guess they think it could be in the South, but it doesn't have like that Southern charm, I guess you would say, that's like in these type of kind of redneck films, like you guess you say. And the redneck, when I mm-hmm. use the word redneck, I don't mean it like as a derogatory term. I mean it like, like it's like the positive view of what it's like to be like a country boy almost. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you yeah. know what? Actually, I'll say, you know what movie's close to it that actually has that? That's a new movie? I totally space is Logan Lucky. Logan Lucky. Logan Lucky's a great example. Yeah, that definitely did have a little bit of that in it. Especially, it's always using, like, Steve Miller music and a lot of uh, old country as well, so... Yeah, that movie actually is something that's like a modern day version of this kind of stuff. But once again, you just don't. It's, you, I'm not saying they don't exist. I'm just saying that they're they're just quite rare. They're they're like Western movies, except for maybe even rarer. You know, where a Western, you, you're you're guaranteed about one to two or three westerns a year. You know, like a Southern movie feels like it might come out every couple of years. Yeah, yeah, that's true. No, this movie. Um... I was, I'm not going to lie, I was watching this movie hoping to be something kind of like what Roadhouse was for me when I first saw it, because Roadhouse was this movie that, you know, you talked me into getting it because it was super cheap. I'm like, alright, I'll check it out, you like it, I know other people like it. It was this movie you hear mixed things on. Some people say it was god-awful, some people would say it was amazing, and you're one of them. And then I watch this movie, and I fucking fall in love with it. And I see, okay, it's this really weird, offbeat movie that's kind of like it was there in a very particular time. We've only come out in this time, but there's some kind of charm that holds up to it. And some people don't like that. I really liked it. And I was kind of hoping this movie would be a little bit more like that. Not not like Roadhouse, 70s version. But, I mean, something the walkway that seemed kind of vibe. Like, oh, this was always here? Why'd I miss this? I'm like, oh, no, this is kind of what I thought it would be. And it was still a good movie and a fun movie. But it also makes me want to check out White Lightning. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe White Lightning is the movie that is kind of like the Roadhouse. Because that's how I feel like. I look at Roadhouse as like a pure, perfect four out of four movie. I can't ask for anything more out of the film. Like, that movie, like, does it all. It delivers on all fronts. I, I always go back and forth between which movie I like more, Roadhouse or Point Break, because those are, like, two Patrick Swayze movies that are fucking amazing and pure, pure perfect. I think both of them are. There's nothing wrong with those movies one bit. They are all awesome the whole way through. And, yeah, and that's how I feel. Gator's one of those movies where, like, you kind of hope, and that's, I, I will say this, a lot of 70s movies, because of their posters, I feel like sort of lead me into being like, oh, my God, this would be the most amazing thing ever. And then sometimes it's like, well, they're good, but they don't almost live up to, like, their poster, if that makes any sense. No, no, I get you, yeah. Because they, they, it's like back in the day, they, like, you know, nowadays you don't really get cool posters anymore. I mean, every once in a while you'll get them. But back in the day, like, every movie was guaranteed a cool poster. You know what I mean? They had the, the awesome artwork on there, and it just made, they made it like, you have to see this movie. You I know? wish we did have more illustrated posters like that. I know. Nowadays, every movie's like always like, a, I always call them face movies, where you just see, like, the main actor's, like, face. Maybe it's halfway, like, darkened. Maybe it's a group shot of faces, but it's like you almost, that's all you really get is just faces. You get faces. Or a Photoshop collage. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like maybe, maybe that. You know, every once in a while you'll get something kind of cool, but. I will say there is no part in the movie where um, uh, Lauren Houghton is in a bikini, kind of like throwing herself over at Gator. I wonder if at some point when they sell the poster, want to see the poster of the movie come out? Yeah, sure. What the fuck? <laughs> I never did that. What the motherfucker? It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm a news reporter. Well, she does like take her shirt off at one point. I mean, I, like, don't it's from it. it's from the back though, but she's not wearing that outfit she's wearing here. Like she looks like I'm a good old country girl that he's been dating since high school. Kind of has that whole vibe so from looking at this or something, you know. And he's yeah, just yeah, he's exactly. standing there with his arms on his hips, like he's not fucking impressed. Like whatever, <laughs> this is Tuesday to me. This happens at least once a day. Some bikini clad woman just throws herself at me. I'm bored of it by this point. I don't honestly give a shit. Yeah. Like well, those ones, but um, but no, real fun. And then we we gotta do White Lightning soon for sure. I think that's definitely a mm-hmm. must, especially after seeing this. But um, other than that, though, make sure to check out OldManOrange dot com for more podcasts, comics, animations, videos, and more. Until then, I'm Spencer Scott Holmes. 
And I'm Ryan Dunnigan, and I actually want to, we actually, I haven't reached out to these guys yet. I actually want to give a quick, quick little shout out before we uh, wrap this thing up. You told me about the guy's home video hustle podcast. Uh, uh-huh. I actually started listening to that show, and I've only listened to two episodes so far, but I, I, I really, I'm listening, I started the Street Fighter one, and I just really like listening to these guys. It's a very, it's another kind of like, they do this retro, it's, their whole show is based around the retrospect thing, right? Yeah, they, they, I think they mostly do that. I don't. I, I haven't seen enough episodes to know if they go outside the retrospect. What I just liked about talking to the guys is they were very like optimistic and positive movie watchers, and that was like their whole thing. It's like we like to be, you know, what I mean, because I don't. If if I see somebody and it says in their podcast description that like we just try to find the stupidest movies ever and make the most fun out of them, I don't even fucking follow people. I don't give those people retweets or anything like that because I'm like, if you're gonna live off negativity, fuck you. You know what I mean? Go fuck yourself. I hope you die. But if I could find somebody who's fucking positive and optimistic about movies, I'm like, we just started talking about all kinds of stuff. It's like, dude, these guys are fucking great. I'm like, we got to get them on the show one of these points. Because anybody who can, like, enjoy movies and have a good time with them, that's the kind of people I want to be surrounded with. I don't want to be around any of these negative bitches that want to complain about every single movie, all the good stuff, all the bad stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I want somebody who just can enjoy a movie. I mean, I'm not saying every movie's perfect by that standard. I'm just saying that, like... It's best to go into a movie, even if it's not the greatest movie, and still find what's good in it. Yeah, they're one of those, because uh, you, you told me about that, I checked it out, and I was really listening to it, and I'm like, oh, wow, these guys are really fun to listen to, and I just want to say, if you kind of like, if you like uh, these kind of like retrospect styles, check these guys out, because I've listened to their Street Fighter one, which was pretty fun to listen to, and I just started listening to their uh, Dolomite one, which is a movie I always wanted to see, so... Yeah, anyway, just want to give those, even though I haven't talked to them or anything, I just want to give those guys a shout-out say, check out their show. Cool. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll have to have them on the show. I told them that. I'm like, one of these days we got to get you on and we can talk, talk, talk all kinds of good movies because anybody who's positive, that's the kind of people I want to be around. But till mm-hmm. then, I'm Spencer Scott Holmes. And I'm Ryan Dunnigan. And we'll see you some other time. Later, folks. Thanks again for listening to the Old Man Orange Podcast. Be sure to check out oldmanorange.com for more podcasts, comics, animations, videos, and a whole lot more. You can easily support the show by buying something from one of our Amazon links on the website or in the show's description itself. doesn't cost you a penny, but every single thing you buy from there just by using that link to take you to Amazon helps us out a bit. You can also really help the show out, though, by spreading the word the good old-fashioned way. And rate and review us on all the sites that you find this podcast. Anything from iTunes to Podbean to Newgrounds, YouTube, you name it, any little bit helps. Give a sub and share it to your friends, family, any jamoke you see out on the street. You let them know about Old Man Orange Podcast. And be sure to check out the Old Man Orange comic book Pizza Boys on both Amazon and Comixology. Till then, we'll see you some other time.